0: This is the news that we've been waiting to hear. Pfizer and BioNTech reporting the first results from their phase three vaccine trial. So so BioNTech is a German biotech company and they were the first ones to get a vaccine across the finish line.
1: Pharmaceuticals giant Pfizer has announced that its anti-coronavirus vaccine developed in partnership with German company BioNTech is 90% effective.
0: They teamed up with this American company and everything. They are the first ones that get approval. Britain has approved the coronavirus vaccine by pharmaceuticals partners Pfizer and BioNTech becoming the first country in the world to do so. But for people in Germany, it was like, what on earth? How is the UK getting a vaccine, getting our vaccine um, before us? Germany is under pressure to speed up its vaccination drive. Why are we not able to use our own vaccine? It's like the EU was holding them back.
1: Here in the capital Berlin, just one of six inoculation centers is active as it doesn't have enough COVID-19 vaccines to open the others. Hey there, PulseCheck listeners. This is Jeremy Siegel, continuing our series on the coronavirus pandemic. Today, I'm in conversation with Jillian Deutsch.
0: I am a health reporter at Politico Europe here in Brussels, and I am very, very excited and eager to roll up my sleeve, get vaccinated, and return to some semblance of normality.
1: We're talking about how the EU fell short on its vaccination plan potentially bringing the timeline of when the bloc might return to that semblance of normalcy back by quite a bit.
0: The idea behind the commission's vaccination strategy um, was to really bring all 27 EU member countries together and purchase vaccines as a bloc. First, I have some good news for you on the vaccine front.
1: Today, the European Commission has reached a first agreement to purchase a potential vaccine against coronavirus with the pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca. They didn't want a
0: situation where EU countries were all fighting over vaccines, partially because they didn't want pharma companies to basically play member states off of each other and get better prices and some um, charge others um, higher prices. Um, But more importantly, they did not want a situation where the bigger and especially the wealthier countries got all the vaccines. As foreseen
1: in our vaccine strategy in July, The vaccine once purchased could also be donated to lower and middle income countries, as well as redirected to countries in the European economic area.
0: I mean, it's quite obvious that Germany, the Netherlands, France, Italy probably could have purchased a decent amount of vaccines on their own, but that would have been an absolutely terrible look for the European Union. So so instead, uh, the European Commission created a strategy to start purchasing vaccines all as a block. We
1: have tried to uh, give member states solutions, I would say, that were not possible without a good EU crisis management uh, at, at the center.
0: The key players are Sandra Galina, who... Um, She basically was poached from the commission's trade department um, to come over and start negotiating these deals.
1: Time Time is very important to have the vaccines that arrive, I would say, uh, quickly.
0: And we have the health commissioner who's really been kind of helping guide the pandemic response from the commission. Um, And then we have the commission president herself, Ursula von der Leyen.
1: Vaccination means freedom from fear. The coronavirus has reminded us of this old truth.
0: This has been um, uh, almost a personal
1: project for her. In extraordinary times, we need an extraordinary mobilization. It should not matter where you are born and how wealthy your family is. Vaccination is a universal human right.
0: Because she obviously, as the president of the commission, really wants to see this EU solidarity and and purchasing vaccines all together as a bloc is just the perfect way to show what the EU can do when they all work together.
1: So the EU has this big plan to work together. How is it playing out today?
0: That is a great question. Um, You know, before December, I would say, it was looking like a a pretty clear success story.
1: We have contracts with three companies. We are about to have contracts with another three companies and are in good talk with uh, a seventh one.
0: They had amassed a portfolio of 2.3 billion vaccines that really rivaled the portfolio the U.S. had created. They had you know, six vaccine producers. They were still in talks with some others. Um, so it seemed like things were really going well. Then there were just a series of setbacks. Now, rollout of the vaccine has been slower than expected across the European Union. And here in Germany, frustration is growing. Um, I think one of the clearest issues was that the European Union just has a, a lengthier approval process for vaccines.
1: Any vaccine that would be allowed for the European market has to go through all the high standards of safety and efficacy which are required for all medicines on the European market.
0: Um, so compared to the UK, which was the first country to approve the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, um, they did this by an emergency authorization process. So it was much quicker, and because the companies filed sooner with the US, the US approved vaccine sooner, and so it looked quite quickly like, oh no, okay, the US or the EU, excuse me, is going to, to start to fall behind. But you know they were they were picking it up. They they also. We'll point out that they did approve the Moderna vaccine before the U.K., but they also didn't approve the AstraZeneca vaccine until weeks after the U.K. did. I mean, this already was setting us off on a bad foot um, coming into the new year, but the issues really just blew up, basically, um, once we started seeing some major manufacturing delays.
1: Just when Europe needs it most, Pfizer puts a partial break on the continent's vaccination rollout.
0: Um, first, there was Pfizer, which is a little bit behind schedule. Um, but then AstraZeneca dropped this bomb basically at the end of January, um, where they said they'd only supply about 31 million out of at least 100 million doses they had planned um, and promised for the first quarter of the year. Just
1: a day after Pfizer slashed the supply of COVID-19 vaccines to Europe, AstraZeneca has also taken a similar step by slashing the supply by 60 percent
0: that was just a massive setback for the EU they have you know ramped up a bit to say you know they're going to supply more like 40 million doses but we're still seeing delays with moderna the next vaccines coming are Johnson Johnson Novavax most likely um, but they won't even be able to supply the European Union until the second quarter So I guess to say all of that uh, things are not looking that great right now for the European Union.
1: How much of this is due to the way that they plan to do all of this? Like, is is the root of the problem the fact that they decided to go in on this all together as such a large block?
0: Um, I definitely think that would slow things down. I mean, the way that the commission president, Ursula von der Leyen, has put it, it is obviously harder to move with 27 member states. Uh, I think she put it like, you know, you can be a speedboat when you're a single country like the UK. But. The EU functions more like a tank. And so I think that it just takes more time to get every single member state on board when you're negotiating with the drug companies, when you're looking at the applications for approval. So the U.K. has been able to be much, much speedier. I think also one big setback, too, for the EU is that really during negotiations, they were very clear with drug companies that they would not budge on liability. And that's something that's very near and dear to Europeans' hearts. And this is one of the most vaccine skeptics, is actually the most vaccine skeptic continent um, in the world. And so they really wanted to make sure that, that citizens knew if there's something wrong with these vaccines, you have the right to take this to court. And so there was an effort from pharma companies to change that the commission didn't budge that was a red line but these kinds of things did set the eu back
1: what does the vaccination situation look like on the ground in the eu cuz like for me here in america it's it's like you know i know first responders who have been vaccinated i know people who who are you know older who have been vaccinated but i definitely don't know many sort of just like everyday regular citizens of the us who have gotten any vaccinations yet what's it like there
0: Um, Well, first off, I should say people are quite frustrated right now. I mean, I'm situated here in in Brussels and all the bars and and cafes are all closed. People are annoyed with these measures. So they obviously, a lot of people want vaccinations, but I think quite quite telling and is that the only people I know who are vaccinated are my dad, who's a healthcare worker worker near, near Chicago, so in the United States. Um, and some of my British colleagues have, you know, older parents who have been vaccinated or will be vaccinated quite soon. Um, I don't know anyone in the block um, who has been vaccinated. That's not to say it's not happening, um, but that is quite telling, I think.
1: It, it almost makes me feel like things are, are good here.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, but I would say that, you know, on the ground, a lot of the bigger countries definitely... Um, are quite critical of this strategy. Um, They know that they probably could have done OK if they had gone off alone. But but there are a lot of smaller countries, less wealthy countries that, that do point to the strategy and say, look, it's going to take us longer to get vaccinated. But we never would have had even had a shot really at getting vaccinated if the commission had not jumped in here and started purchasing vaccines together.
1: Are you expecting to see any sort of political backlash if you do have countries that that are upset thinking that they could have gone better going off on their own here?
0: Well, I think one of the things that's going to be really interesting to play out and very telling is that Germany has been one of the most, or at least, at least a lot of politicians and a lot of the public in Germany are really angry over the vaccination strategy. I mean, the first vaccine that came out was from BioNTech and Pfizer. BioNTech is a small German biotech company. So they were saying, OK, how is this a German-made vaccine yet British people are getting this first and there are tons of legitimate reasons for that but the, the the optics of that are terrible. And so some people have spoken to think that this is going to have a pretty lasting effect on how they see the European Union. I mean for other smaller countries this is this is beautiful. You know I was talking to the Maltese health minister and he said this is going to be like the biggest success story of the European Union's entire history which I think I don't think anyone's quite ready to put it that way. Um but but some of these smaller countries are very aware they would have been totally left in the dark. Um, if they if they hadn't gone together. So I think time will tell.
1: Taking a step back here and keeping in mind that every country's vaccination program is a work in progress. Are there any lessons to be learned from the EU's program so far that that the EU could learn from or even, you know, like we here in the U.S. could learn from?
0: The EU really wanted to get everyone together, vaccinate everyone together, um, buy it together. They even wanted to buy more vaccines than they needed so they could sell or donate the extra doses to low- and middle-income countries. Um, But the countries that really focused on themselves are are clearly in the lead right now. And and who knows? Maybe in a few years' time, we'll still look back and they will still be the clear winners. Um, And the EU's approach will look uh, naive, almost, um, in in hindsight. But those countries that are speeding ahead are not in the clear once they've vaccinated everyone a pandemic is global right so so unless you vaccine everyone you're not just suddenly in the clear and can return completely back to normal we're still seeing now you know new new variants racing across the globe and we're also seeing you know the possibility that we might need booster shots or or new new changes in the vaccines to protect against these variants um so so who knows maybe we'll still look back and and think that the UK, the US, Israel were were the clear winners, um, and the wealthy, these big wealthy countries did it right. But it's also quite possible that EU's approach will will pay off as well, and they might secure themselves a better a better place in the history books.
1: From the perspective of someone who who's watching this from the U.S., you know, the sense I've gotten over the past few years, obviously, with Brexit is that you have, you know, somewhat of, of a movement of people upset by some of the dynamics, um, obviously, like the U.K. in the EU um, and some pushes for more nationalistic approaches to, you know, things way beyond vaccination programs. Do you think some of the issues we're seeing play out with vaccines are sort of representative of broader issues we're seeing play out across European politics?
0: I definitely think that is accurate. I mean, there are definitely lots of of right-wing parties... Who are always critical, right, of, of the of the, the EU projects, the European Commission. I was watching the Commission President in in the Parliament today, and there's was a lot of far right and and some more lefty um parliamentarians who were critical of the strategy. A lot more of the centrist parliamentarians were were much more on board. But but even still, I mean, we're seeing some socialist politicians in Germany who are very critical of of the strategy. And and I think it's also important to remember that every day lost in a, a pandemic is, is lives lost right so so sure it's great that everyone's going together but but people are looking around and they're seeing people dying they're seeing life lost economies ruined those are lasting memories and if if people keep pointing to the commission and saying okay it was you guys i think we definitely could see a situation where where there are more um, at least at least it definitely provides fodder for right-wing politicians that's absolutely for certain
1: All right, that is our show for this week. I'm Jeremy Siegel, and big thanks to Jillian Deutsch from Politico Europe for talking with me. Be sure to subscribe to Pulse Check wherever you're listening. And if you want to stay up on our latest coverage of the pandemic, you can sign up for the Politico Pulse newsletter, which comes to your inbox every morning at politico.com slash Newsletters. PulseCheck's senior producer is Jenny Ament, and our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. We'll see you next week.